Matthew chapter 21. Titled this message, this is part one of a part two, Authority and Power. And I know the graphic, yep, the graphic says spiritual authority and power. That's just because I got lazy. I didn't want to make my own graphic, so I just, I found that one and went, okay, I'll use it. But we're talking about authority and power, not just spiritual authority. Well, I guess we are talking spiritual. Yeah, okay. Anyway. This is part one. Next week we'll finish up. We'll focus more on the power side. Today we're focusing more on the authority side. Uh, starting in verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe it? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus like all the other teenagers in my life. We don't know. <laughs> then Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word penetrates even the stone cold heart. That Lord, you can break in and break up that that solid, that crusty old heart. And God, that you can create all things new. And inside of our heart, God, till up the soil of our heart that we can receive this word this morning, that seed that can be planted and produced, Lord, harvest a hundred or a thousand times over for your glory and for your, your name. Amen. Amen. The chief priests, the elders, the religious leaders ask Jesus, by what authority do you possess this power to do these miracles? Even the religious leaders knew that for true power, there had to be true authority there had to be somebody who's given you that you're submitted to giving you this authority enabling you to do these kind of miracles think about when Jesus called his 12 disciples together in Luke chapter 9 he said that I'm giving you authority and power to drive out all demons and can cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal all the sick. Proclaim, declare, or decree the kingdom of God. Remember his message says when you go preach, the kingdom of God is here. Proclaim. Claim or decree means to take from and make it a reality. 
How can I do that without submission to authority, having true authority? You can only have his authority when you stay under his authority and be able to have that power that decrees, makes his kingdom a reality. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is here. It takes authority and power. Jesus gave them authority and power over all the demons, over all the sickness, over all diseases. True power is directly linked to your submission to the authority. You can't have authority unless you surrender to authority. You have to stay under authority to be operating in authority. Without submission to authority, you're, you're rogue, to say the least. You're a, a lone ranger. You have to stay submitted under authority to stand in authority. And we talk about that a lot, that you've been given power and authority. You've been given power and authority. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have been given his authority. We have been given his power. Yes, 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 and yes. But if we don't stay under his authority that he's set up, established, then we remove ourselves out from under that. And we are no longer, we're more of a pseudo-Christian. Because Christ himself sets under authority. He says, I don't do anything that I don't see my father doing. A pseudo-Christian, because Christian is Christ-like, you can't be like Christ and not be under his authority. And stay under authority. Tyler, come help me again. Pastor Neil, you'll have to stand at, who's taller? You think he is? Stand up here. Right there. Right in front of him. You you know the drill. You were both. No, right down here. Right there. Right there. Right there. Here's a picture of authority. I've got three times as much power because I'm submitted under authority. It's when I think that, do, 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 I want to toot my own horn and look what I done, look what I did. Well, I'm proclaiming things that I was doing back there. And now I think, well, I'm too good for them. You know, I don't agree with what they're doing, so I'm going to go do it on my own. Now I'm a pseudo-Christian. Now I'm going rogue, to say the least, rebellious, to be quite honest. Because when you come out from underneath authority, now anything that you can do is just a copycat. Any power that you perform, any healing that you perform, and I'll show you in a few minutes how that can still be done, is just a copycat. It won't last. But the minute I surrender, now I've got this strength again. The authority behind me. Thank you, guys. I won't go on as long as I did first service. But And see, what also happens in that, um, I'll let you sit now. In this, my focus is here. 
When I'm standing and submitted under authority, my focus is here. My target is here. I've got a, a laser focus on the mission, and I know, and we're all moving together. This is the way I'm going. The nitpickers, complainers, are these ones. Oh, yeah, look at that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Look at how they're doing that. It's like a big do-do-do-do. Well, I know where you're standing. Because I'm not turned critiquing or complaining. I'm this way. There's a big difference between a democracy and a kingdom. God has set up a kingdom. We can't take the king out of his kingdom or remove ourselves from his kingdom and declare that he's still our king. There's things that he does and he whispers in his leadership he set up that the one further away might not hear. Theirs isn't to always know. Ours isn't to always know exactly why. Why are we turning this way? Why are we turning this way? I don't agree with this. Well, they got the instruction and they're following the instructions. Our job is just to move together. Remember, we explained, I explained this to you a few weeks ago when we were in that message about the body moving as the body of Christ, that we all have a different vantage point. We all have a different view from our part in the body. It's not wrong, it's just different. But see, we see differently from somebody else and all of a sudden we pluck ourselves out from underneath the authority and stick ourselves over here because, well, huh, I don't agree with what they're doing. Again, the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy, it's a kingdom. And I'll read to you later where it says that in Romans that God has established these authorities. True power is directly linked to your submission to the authority. Now listen, that's what I was saying about copycat power. And we'll, we'll touch on in depth on power next week. But just like remember when uh, God was sending Moses back to the uh, Egypt and said, when you go to Pharaoh, say, let my people go. You know, what do I do? And he says, what's in your hand? And he said, take that staff, throw it down. Turns into a snake, right? He was showing him this power. Well, Moses gets there and Pharaoh and let my people go. And he says, and he throws down his stick, becomes a snake. And the magicians go, hey, I can do that. And they throw down their staffs, which became snakes. But whose snake ate up all the others? It says Moses' snake swallowed up all the others. So there might be those copycats or counterfeit powers, but I'll show you in a little bit. They don't mean much compared to authority. Jesus called this culmination of authority and power when you understand the submission to authority and the power that comes from it when he met the centurion. Remember this? In Matthew chapter 8, here, let's turn back and read that. In Matthew chapter 8, uh, 
in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Listen, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes. I tell that one, come and he comes. I tell my servant to do this and he does this. He understood authority and the power that comes from submission to true authority. And verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in all of Israel with such great faith. Great faith comes from understanding this true authority, submission to authority, and the power that comes from that. All you have to do is say the word because I'm a man under authority. I know how this works. You don't have to come and touch him. Just say the word. Again, their question to Jesus was, by what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? You have to know who. You can't just run around thinking uh, power here, power there. God, I want this. It's kind of like what we've been teaching you know, forever. You, you can't go around claiming the promises of God without doing the ifs and the conditions that he lists. If you do this, then you will Get this, kind of like I was just sharing with you, the Isaiah 58, the model for fasting. There's three chapters of promises attached to a couple verses if you, when you fast, do this. Same thing. You can't go around and, and you know, it will be pseudo. It will be a copycat power at best. You have to stay connected to the who, the king. His authority. His authority. Who? It's not just what authority. Who gave you this authority? Like I said, authority apart from submission to the greater authority is rogue Reckless, I think it would start reckless, then rogue, and then just plain rebellion. It's a lot like uh, Satan's fall. Our culture today is almost equal to the exact same sin that, that caused Satan to fall. Just, uh, I, I don't have to submit to that authority. I have power. I have, I want the I want the glory, you know? And what's our culture teaching our children and our teenagers and our young adults right now? You don't have to respect authority. Yeah. 
You're your own authority. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. We're not even parenting our kids that way anymore. Now let them do what they want to do. What? 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 I remember trying to have a conversation with this lady who mm, probably a four-year-old, maybe she was holding in her arm, that was constantly slapping her in the face, and she's ignoring it, trying to carry on a conversation with me. And finally, I just put my hand over the little boy's hand and you know, stopped him from hitting his mom. I mean, I wasn't like, I said, I'm sorry, I can't even focus on what you're saying. Do we need to take care of this first? Oh, he just does that once in a while. Tell him no. But we're, the culture today is trying to rip us apart from, you know, God's order or God's design of this kingdom reality that we stay submitted under authority and we have protection and power. And I mean, there's so many, there's chapters and chapters of blessings associated with staying in submission to authority that we're like, well, you don't have to do that and rip yourself out. And now all of a sudden, like I said, we're going rogue. And we want all the good things. Hey, King, you, you know, you need to do this for me and you need to do that for me. But, you know, and I'll call you my king, but I can do what I want to do. I don't have to listen or I can pick and choose on what I want to obey from you. God established this kingdom order. He set up authorities. You must be under his authority to operate in his authority. Think about it. Operating in power without authority is the same as somebody running in here with a gun and without a permit, without a, a badge of authority and waving it around at all of us, to say the least. What would we call him? I know psychopath. I got a lot of these random. Maybe I shouldn't have opened this one up to an answer. A criminal. We would call him a criminal. A law breaker. Why? Because he doesn't have the authority to do that. Have you noticed that the ones that don't want to respect authority demand rights? Where do rights come from? Bum -ba -da -da. The establishment of authority. Now, I don't want to be under your authority, but you need to honor and respect my rights. The one that runs around outside of authority with power is a lawbreaker. They're doing something unlawful. Let me show you. Because Jesus actually condemns those who operate in power without authority. He didn't say it's not possible to do it. As a matter of fact, he proves over and over again it is possible to do it. It is possible to operate in power without authority. In Matthew chapter 7, one chapter back even, 
Verses 21 through 23 says, Not everyone, Jesus is saying this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There it is, who comes under the submission to the authority, will enter and do what my Father says. There it is, obeying, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, here they are. They're going to, you know, hey, I, all, here's all the power we did. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Here's all the power. Look at it. Here's power, power, power. And he said, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You evildoers, you who practice lawlessness. You live as if there is no law to obey. Lawlessness. Depart from me, you who do not do what my Father commands. Who's performing all these miracles and and yet you're not obeying and staying in submission to the authority. Depart from me. I never knew you. He goes on in Matthew 21 with a couple parables to explain this lawlessness, this use of his power without obeying, that there is not just a, well, I, I've been, because I've heard people say this, I've been under authority, received the commissioning to go. And I say, yep. But did you know that that go is to stay surrendered under the authority wherever you go? You don't pick yourself up out of authority and now all of a sudden you're your own authority. No. So Jesus went on here in chapter 21. Remember what we read. We read that these religious leaders came to Jesus and asked, we're seeing all these miracles you're doing. By what authority are you doing these? And who gave you that authority? And then Jesus said, remember, let me ask you a question. John, where did his authority come from? Was it from heaven or was it from man? So then he goes on in a parable of the two sons. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Think, two sons. He goes to the first son and gives him a command. Go do this. That son says, I'm not doing that. But later on, says he changed the way he thought which is the definition of repent. He repented, changed his mind, and obeyed. The second son 
said the same thing, gave him a command. And with his beautiful Christian lips pursed up, yes, sir, Lord, Lord, whatever you want, of course I'll go, but never went and did it. And then Jesus asked, the religious leaders, remember, is who he's talking to. So, which of the two did the will of his father? And of course, yes, the religious leaders said, well, of course, the first, they answered. Which of the two did the will of the second son Think about it. The second son didn't do what his father commanded. He didn't obey the word. What is he? He's a lawbreaker. He's practicing lawlessness. He's living as if the father never gave him a command. Thank you very much. Go ahead. That's <laughs> what, what happened Wednesday? Oh, Wednesday. So my phone's setting down there. My Siri on my Apple phone is a um, English gentleman, a Brit British gentleman. I love that voice. So while I'm, I mean, we're in a deep moment and I'm sharing and, you know, glory of the Lord is falling and we're pressing in and all of a sudden this British man's voice says, did you summons me? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I would like everybody to say, wouldn't that be nice? People just come up, did you summons me? Yes, I did. Okay. He actually said summons me. Okay. Back. Anyway. The second son, lawlessness, practicing lawlessness, living as if the father never told him a command. Then here, let's continue reading. Here's Jesus explains. 20, 31. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, again, remember, he's talking to religious leaders, are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Now, back in their day, he's not just talking about, oh, shoo, I'm not a tax collector or a prostitute. You know, I'm okay. No, back in that culture, that was the biggest of sinners. Okay? So he's saying the biggest of sinners are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you religious leaders. And he's not talking about dying and going to heaven. I mean, you can see that in the context here. He's talking about you see, you see, you're seeing this. You're seeing this happen. That the sinners are being transformed into saints, stepping into their place of authority and moving in power right before your eyes. And you still won't believe and repent. 
John came. Here he goes again. Remember, he, he, that was the question he asked them to begin with. Let me ask you a question. Where did John's authority come from? Was it from heaven? From earth? And they knew. Oh, oh, crud. If we say from heaven, he'll say, well, then why didn't you believe him? So, and we can't say from people because then the people will probably stone us. You know, so I don't know, right? He brings it back to John again. John came to show you the way to enter the kingdom, the way of righteousness. But you wouldn't believe him. But the sinners did. And you're watching it with your eyes. He said, there it is. He goes, and even after you saw this, you're watching it happen. And you still won't repent. Authority comes from obedience to the Father's commands. Two sons. I love it that he, that he, he didn't even have to say it. He could have made one a perfect son, right? Where the father comes and says, hey, you know, go do this. And the son goes, yes, father, and goes and does it. But I love that he throws a little rebellion in there, you know? A little human nature in there where he says, well, I don't want to do that. But then later repents and goes and obeys. Because isn't that what we do? So he's saying, I'm not asking you to be perfect all the time. Be obedient all the time. Be fully obedient. Do what I command you to do. Obedience to the Father's command. Listen, all authority, all authority has been established by God. Removing yourself from authority because, well, you can do this on your own. Well, let me just tell you what. In Romans 13, 1 and 2, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You can't remove yourself from submission to the authority who's placed authority in his kingdom for protection, for empowerment, for expansion of the kingdom, for you to plop yourself out of there because it's not going the way I thought it would go. Or they're not, you know elevating me as fast as I'm I think I'm supposed to be elevated they're not let me I'm gonna be all so transparent this one hurts to be this honest I didn't realize I had a problem with this my whole Christian life even when I was uh, first rededicated my life back to the Lord and gave my heart I was sold out servant all the way 
I mean, I was, you know, I'll wait on you here. I came and cleaned the bathrooms all the time. I, I learned how to solder wires together on a soundboard just so I could do something. You know, I did anything. I don't care. I'll come. I was at the church 24-7, it seemed like. Just let me serve. Clean the bathrooms. I'll do that. You know, you know, sweep the parking lot. I'll do that. I was all out all the time. Serve, serve, serve. Why? Because he said that. What? The greatest of you will be the greatest servant. That's what I knew. That's all I knew. Serve. Okay, I'll do that. You know, that's all I knew. And then maturing in my Christian walk, I had gotten to a place anyway. You know, I won't give you all the details. But I was butting heads with, uh, wasn't even with the, the pastor at that time. It was with the, things weren't happening the way I thought they were going to happen when we came back to Charlotte Assembly um, from Traverse City. Um, all this, you know, I was supposed to be stepping into this next chapter, working with the district. I was going to be doing this. And everything just kind of fell apart. And next thing you know, I went from a very, very, very good paying job to a, a little part-time bank job. And still, I mean, I didn't even have an office at that time. They, You know, I'm like, I, I know I'm supposed to be here. And so they gave me a, a corner of the conference room to set up my laptop, but if they needed to have meetings, I needed to get out of there. If they needed to use, I needed to pick up my stuff and get out of there. And I'm like, whatever, 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 right? Because my servant's heart, whatever. God, I'm just here to serve. And then I felt this overwhelming, you know, God, you know, pressure. Um, you're holding on to that part-time job because you still don't trust me. I'm like, I want a really good paying job and a part-time job so I could volunteer. And now you're telling me to give up that job and, and go 100% volunteer? I don't know how I'm going to do that, God. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm all in, you know. And, I, you know, I did it. And I quit the job. And the ladies at the bank are like, what are you doing? We really had, you know, high hopes. And you were going to do this. I'm like, I'm all in with God. So I came back. I don't know how. And so here I am now. <laughs> Eight to five, five days a week, four days, five days a week, sitting in the corner of the volunteer station, you know, not getting no paycheck, nothing, volunteer, volunteer, doing all this stuff that I thought I was getting a position to do, and yet without a position, without a paycheck, and yet I was doing all the work. And, you know, the district thing fell through, and so I was, you know, there, and go home, and well, all of a I mean, the frustration and because things weren't working out the way I thought and what's going on and God and you, you know, I thought and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I went to, and it's kind of funny that it was Pastor Kevin. Him and I have been real close. We were in youth ministry together, did mission trips together. And it was right when he took over, not too long after he took over for um, Pastor Dave and went and talked to him. I said, you know, Kevin, you know, What's going on? And, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I shared it and blah, blah, blah. He goes, I still don't see the problem. So what do you mean you don't see the problem? I laid it all out for him again. He goes, Brenda, I still don't see the problem. I said, Kevin, what don't you get? He said, Brenda, are you doing the things that God called you to do? I said, well, yeah. 
He goes, so then what's the problem? And I went, oh, I mean, cut to the heart. Where did that come from? That I was trying to seek a position and that was supposed to make it all better? said, are you doing what God called you to do? Yes. What's the problem? Oh. I had so pictured what authority and the setup would look like. I'm supposed to be sitting right here and I'm going to be said. I didn't even know it was in my heart. I didn't know it was there. And rebellion had snuck in. To where I was already, I was being enticed by the bank president who I had already quit there. And she's like, Brenda, come back to work. We got another branch. We want to put you, we can work you up. And, you know, we can put you over there. You know, I, later on I had the same, isn't it funny? Satan throws out the same bait at times. I didn't even know that kind of heart was in me. That I was attracted to that. Rogue authority. That authority that, you know, I don't, I don't want to get off into a whole nother story about when you remove yourself from submission to the authority and do what your father is commanding you to do. Just do it. Well, what if it doesn't matter? Just do it. Well, but what if it doesn't matter? Just do it. When you start getting these presumptions on how you think you're supposed to be treated or supposed to do this or supposed to do that, you're backing out of. And now you're creating or setting yourself up on your own throne and demanding um, you serve me. Sounds a lot like Satan's fall. I want the praise, I want the glory. Without proper authority, without staying under the submission to the proper authority, any power that you operate in is unlawful. Any position you get placed in, unlawful. Any glory that you think you're giving to God outside of staying in submission to his authority is unlawful. And I could go into stories and stories from the Old Testament about priests and their sons who were waving offerings before the Lord that were unlawful. It's 1 Samuel where Saul, remember Saul, anointed as the first king, right, by Samuel. Right? God said, I've chosen Saul. Go anoint and he anointed, set Saul up. And Saul and his huge army, they're like destroying these other nations, destroying these. Why? Because God's on their side. God gives them this instruction. Go to this, you know, I don't know, whatever country it was, nation, whatever. And wipe them all out. They just all have to be wiped out, even their animals, everything. Don't touch anything. Don't burn it all. Just burn it all. He's like, okay. God gives them, the Father gives them a command. He goes, while they're taking over this nation and destroying this nation, they notice, well, this cow looks pretty good. You know? And what's wrong with this? 
And what's wrong with it? They're good things. Don't need to destroy that. And so they take, the army takes some of this stuff. Now, are, did they obey God? Yeah, they're obeying God. They're just not fully obeying God. And listen, God says to Samuel, go to Saul. I'm sorry today that I ever anointed him or that I ever set him up as king. Why? Because he didn't disobey God. He didn't fully obey God. And see, for too long in the church, we've separated it. Yes, there's obedience and there's disobedience. So as long as I'm being mostly good, I'm being obedient. But mostly good is still not good enough. When the Father gives a command, we obey fully or we don't. And when Samuel came back to Saul and said, Saul, what did you do? He said, I did what the Lord told me to do. He's like, really? What's the mooing in my ear I hear then? Seriously, he said that. What's this lowing of cattle I hear? He's like, well, oh, hey, we kept the best stuff because we're going to offer it to the Lord in a sacrifice. I'm sorry, did God tell you to do that? Uh, no. But it's a good thing I'm doing. Doesn't matter. You see, for Saul and his army, their talent was being strong, winning battles. So they thought, in our talent, we'll just take some of the good stuff for ourselves That's good. Good job. Good job. We'll take some of this for ourselves and we'll just offer God, you know, uh, here's a sacrifice back to you, Lord. Samuel told Saul, you're all done. It's not that you disobeyed, it's that you didn't fully obey. Next week, we're, we'll dig into this, the power, the true power that will come naturally from true submission to the authority. But for let's close. Crystal, if you'd come back up, I want to I wanna be careful because sometimes, I mean, like me, when, like I just sh shared that honest moment I had, with you, I could have walked away and been all done. Oh, I'm a worm. I'm stupid. What was I thinking? And I'm all done with this. You know, forget it. I can't do anything right. When God sometimes exposes an area in our life, how we respond to that exposure is more important, really, even than the exposure of the thing itself. What are you going to do now? Now, if you wallow around and roll around and I'm, I'm a horrible person, I'm a worm, I'm terrible. See, I can never. You're going to mope out of here. Oh, oh. Well, that displays the glory of God. You know what happened to you? Well, God touched me. Well, I don't want him to touch me then. 
don't pray for me. I don't want to look like that, right? No, but when, and we'll get into this more next week when we go into this next parable, that when you fall upon the rock, when you fall upon the feet of Jesus, when you fall down in that true humility, like the, the first son, changed the way he was thinking. What was I thinking? And he repented. And he went and did what the father told him to do. Then God is the lifter of our head. He's the power behind us. The hand on our shoulder that says, that's okay, get up here. You're right with me now. Righteousness. Right standing with God and walking in accord with his nature. That's righteousness. Stay right here. We're going to go this way. We're going to go that way. Oh, you're going to do great things. Can you hear him just whispering that in your ear right behind you? We're going to do great things. Powerful things. Continue. Continue to stay in submission. So when I call out these, you know, I don't even want to say call them out. But there's people here that you you can see yourself as that second son. You know, I've been sitting in church and I've been praising the Lord, but I know I'm not doing what God told me to do. I know that there's some of you sitting here today that you didn't even realize you thought you were still doing okay. You thought you were still right here, submitting, under the authority. But God exposed during this message, shined a little light on it. You went rogue at some point. And that's why things don't feel right. Things aren't working out the way you thought they should. It's because you've went and set up an authority of your own. And you need to come back here. You've heard some of you sitting here. You've heard John's message. You've seen all the great powerful things, but you're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. 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 You've heard the testimonies. You've seen the great power displayed of God and, and this authority that others are walking in, but you're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. 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 And you haven't yet believed. That it's not a time to just weep and wail and stay there. But it's a time to come back under and let him lift you up. Be the lifter of your head. His robe of righteousness placed upon you. His hand on your shoulder and it's time. In a pre-service prayer, God gave me a picture of somebody standing in the middle of a whirlwind and it was like a whole bunch of trash was in this whirlwind tornado all the way around them and the person cried out how did I get here again and then I saw a hand a huge hand reach through the, the, the whirlwind of junk and reach out toward the man You see, when Jesus told Peter, 
on the night that he was betrayed, says, hey, dude, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster even crows, you're going to... Peter's like, never, never, Lord. I'd never do that. Lord, Lord, I perform great miracles. You know, I'd never do that. And yet when the third one, the third time he denied and that he heard the rooster crow, the words of the Lord flooded back through his mind and he was cut to the heart. And what did he do? He ran. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they listened to the serpent and they ate the fruit, what's the first thing they did? They ran and hid. If you're doing something or have done something that you feel like you have to keep hidden, it's a sin that needs to be exposed. Satan's biggest ploy or tool is to scream in your ear, run, hide. Run, hide. You trip up, which by the way, if you haven't yet, if you're a Christian, you haven't yet, you will. Doesn't matter how old in the Lord you are, how young you are, how many years you've been saved, you will. The minute you fall, the minute you trip, if you don't jump back up and continue to on the mission, running toward him, toward the mission, co-mission with him, if you listen to the enemy, the minute you trip, you'll hear the enemy scream in your ear, I knew it, you messed up again, run, hide, don't tell anybody. You can take care of this on your own. You can fix this. But when Jesus was resurrected, the first one that saw him, he said, now go back and tell all my disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Remember, Peter was also the one that stepped out of the boat. whose hand reached out to him when he began to sink. God in the garden. Remember when Adam and Eve ran and hid. Why? Because God, do you think he did not know the minute they sinned? Of course he did. And yet it says he still went out to walk with them in the garden. As he did every day. And when he went out, he said, Adam, where are you? Now, again, it wasn't because God didn't know where he was. He said, oh, Adam, where are you? It was a question to his heart. Oh, Adam, where are you? Look at where this has put you. You're hiding from me? You ran from me? God's hand is always there. He's always reaching out. If you're the second son, if, if you're the religious leaders of that day, if you're the one who's been watching everything and just setting back, if you're the one that's been stumbling and messing up, but you keep hearing the, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Nobody can know you're doing this. Run, hide. Think about when Jesus went back to Peter. And they sat there at that lake shore. 
lay out the three-point message to Peter on, oh, this is where you went wrong. See, you should have listened. I told you so. Told you. I told you. And you still, and then when you went there and you did this, you should have done this. Only thing that concerned him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then do what I told you to do. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then get up off the ground and do what I told you to do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then that's all that matters. Do what I told you to do. It doesn't matter the what or the why. The only thing that matters is the who. Who are you doing this for? You doing it for you? You doing it to toot your own horn? You doing it for your glory, for your honor, for a name tag, name badge, a position? Who are you doing this for? It's all that matters. That's submission to true authority. That's the place of protection, of empowerment. So would you stand? That individual that that vision was for, that you feel like you're in the middle of this whirlwind and of all this whatever, crying out, how did I get here again? that's a lie that's Satan's lie to you if he, you don't think you can share that and I'm not going to ask you okay share what you're doing wrong again I don't care the what I don't care the why we want to plug you back into the who has extended his hand through the whirlwind remember you draw near to him the word says and he'll draw near to you then you can resist the devil and he will flee Remember, God's instruction, or warning, I should say, to Cain, is that sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to have you. But you have to resist it. How do I resist the enemy? By drawing near to God first. Then you can resist the enemy, because it's God's hand on your shoulder. He's the big guy behind you that goes boo to the devil and he flees. But you out here on your own whirlwind. Chaos. But the exact words were, how did I get here again? So it's something that you've either fallen into or it's just happened. Who is that for? Yep, I see your hand. And yes, it can be for more than one. You don't have to go, good. She didn't call me. There's more of you. I, I feel like there's at least 10 in a room this size. Now I'm teetering on 11 and 12. And it's not because I know your situation. Don't think about that. 
it's because God's given me a number. So I believe it's more than that because I'm feeling it, an ex a tremendous pressure to try to get you to understand the more you try to stay in anonymity, the more he cannot heal. You know, I shared that in my testimony with Brian and I when, right before we separated. And I was crying out to God about why don't you heal our marriage? Why do we constantly have to be struggling? I surrendered my entire life to serve you. And why do I have to struggle in my marriage? We're supposed to be pillars in the church and examples for other Christians to follow. Why does this keep happening? And his exact words were, I cannot heal what you continue to hide. And that's for those 10 to 12 of you that are in here today. You continue to hide something. He is unable to heal it if you continue to hide it. And your healing will come when you hand it over. And the Bible says when you confess your sins one to another, pray for each other, then you will be healed. We don't want to confess. We don't want to tell anybody. We want to keep it hidden. He cannot heal what you continue to hide. Let's just move into the altar time right now. But if you're here uh, today and you don't even have a relationship yet with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, I want you to come see me. All right? So you can grab a hold of me or stand next to me until I, I acknowledge you if I'm busy. Don't leave. And I'll sit down with you and I'll share how to begin a relationship or renew a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So um, don't go off. But I want to spend time. So can we do that? I'm just going to open the altars up right now. Let me pray with you. And we're going to continue to just press in. Father, we hear your word. We hear your word. We feel your your pointing. We, we feel your pointing on areas in our life that... God, to be honest with you, we didn't even know we're there. And right now, we just come and we just surrender and we humble ourselves. God, we want healing. We want healing. We want healing. And we know that you can't heal what we continue to hide. So right now, we just lay that before you. we take you at your word that when we confess to each other Lord that we'll pray for each other and we will be healed we believe your word we obey your word God we change the way we think we repent we repent we repent today we're no longer going to be that second son. We're no longer going to be those head-nodding religious leaders that set afar, set back, and just watch things. But God, we're going to be hearers and doers of your word, Lord. We surrender to you, God. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for our rogue heart, for our rebellious heart. We submit to you, Lord. We surrender to you. We come back under your proper alignment, your proper authority, your established authority, God. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you.
I just, uh, I've been having a vision, uh, and uh, I didn't know what, how to fit it all together until I heard your sermon. But, um, you know, we get to a place as Christians, and, and there comes a time when we need God to touch us. There's so many things that we just can't handle ourselves. We can't do ourselves. We're not meant to do it ourselves. As a matter of fact, part of the problem is that we try to carry it ourselves. The answer is always Jesus Christ. The fire of God is available to cleanse, to wash, to set free, to heal, to deliver, to turn situations around in your life. It takes you to put a demand on the anointing to come forward and receive. He's here in a great way. He's here to touch you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to draw you deeper into a relationship with Him. If you want that, come and get it. It's here. He said he saw like a cyclone fire of cleansing. It's here.